All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Horn Symposium edition of Music on the Rocks. I'm here with two of my good friends and fellow Yamaha artists. I got Mike McCoy with me and I got Larry Williams with me. How have you guys been doing? Go ahead, Larry. Oh, man. Well, first of all, it's really, really great to see you guys. Um, you know, this this year has been incredibly stressful in a lot of ways. And Chris, as you were saying that, you know, the, the virtual uh, symposium has its virtues. And, and, you know, we also miss hanging out with each other. Uh, look forward to doing that soon. So it's, it's even though we're still uh, hanging out virtually, it's still good to see you guys. And it's been really cool to get back in touch with with friends around the world and, and horn players, you know, from around the country. And uh, I'm doing fine. I actually just, I was just telling uh, telling the guys, you know, I literally just got home from a, a, a vacation with the family, uh, been at the beach for a week. And uh, yeah. everything was going great until about 30 minutes ago. And uh, we were stoplight and I was watching the clock because I didn't want to be late for your podcast. And I was like, we're going to make it. I got plenty of time. And then boom, we got rear-ended by a pickup truck. No. Sitting at the light. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, of course, I I, I thought, okay, yeah, this is that's right. What's today? Yeah, today's Friday the 13th. <laughs> okay. This is this is just the beginning. But um, yes, I'm okay. Nobody, nobody got hurt. Uh everything is cool. Life happens. We rolled with it. You know, horn players, we we just roll with stuff. Um, yeah, you know, just tra- treated it like a missed note. <laughs> at, least <you> were, <laughs> at least you were coming back from vacation. So, did you, was your horn in the trunk or anything like that? The horn is actually at the shop. So there you go. It would have been in the trunk, and there it is. So I so some good luck. It, it, absolutely good luck. Happy to be here. Everything's everything's cool. It's been, you know, it, I've, I've had a really wonderful summer. One of the upsides of of the pandemic is time with. Uh, with my family and so that has been wonderful um even though of course i'm driving them crazy and they're doing the same to me it's still a good kind of crazy you know yeah that so, seems um... to be a common theme with musicians <laughs> lately it's like wow I've, I've i've never seen so much of my family you know which is really good I, at least in my household my kid my family is definitely not used to seeing me this much and uh I think my son is loving it, and the two girls are kind of like, all right. (laughs) How about you, Mike? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I bet Ryan's just getting a ton of energy out with you all the time. Not not enough still. Really? He's still got too much energy, man. (laughs) Got to keep up with him. I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, Everything's been really fantastic, actually. Uh, For me, as terrible as the pandemic was, I'm never going to retire. I know that. I'm freelance for life, right? So I I looked at it as a year of retirement, and it was awesome. I had a blast. Um, I got a couple of Great Danes. Uh, Not that I've – there's one now. Um, Not that I um, ever fell out of love with my wife, but I got to fall in love again with my wife. Spent a lot of time with her. It was fantastic. Really had a great time. So, yeah, man, just, uh, you know, I was telling the guys, living the dream. That's what I'm doing. I'm just enjoying myself. And as we start to roll back into things, I get to see some, some Roxy. I get to see (laughs) some things uh, and and some people that I haven't seen in a long time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's really sweet, man, what you said about your wife. I hope my wife doesn't watch this because she's going to be like, why didn't you ever say that? <laughs> Five years of marriage, man. Yeah, and now if I say that, I'm just copying you. So, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, man. It seems like a lot of people ended up getting pandemic pets. We we got a cat. I caved in finally. And like, because okay. I, I can't stand cats, man. Right. But everybody else in my family wanted one. And uh, so now we got one. And it's cute. I'll, I'll give it sure. that. It serves a purpose. Yeah, it's an we, a-hole, but it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dog. Yeah, That's we awesome. we we got a we got a pandemic pup as well. We got a, a labradoodle nice. named Gigi, and she's the coolest, most chilled out dog I've ever seen. She she relaxes me. All she wants to do is just hang out. Yep. She's, she just wants to like kind of sit on your feet and watch TV. I love this dog. <laughs> me and this dog are are, are completely in sync. Like the, the, the dog was my wife's idea, and at the time, I was like, we're not getting a dog. Because we don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic thing, you know, you, we we might have to, you know, barricade our doors from the zombies. We're not getting a dog. We don't. Have, we you know we can't afford another mouth to feed. I mean, I, I was I, I threw everything I could at the idea of not getting another dog because at the time I was so stressed out, honestly, about what potentially might be ahead that just the thought of a pet was like, let's not do this. And of course, she was smarter than me, and she was like, we're getting the dog. So we get the dog. And in the, 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 my one condition of the dog was like, okay, we're going to get this dog. You're going to be responsible for it. You're going to be, you know, walking it. And, and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do everything. This is my dog. Because we've had dogs in, in the past. And I rolled my eyes like, she's not going to take care of this dog. <laughs> and sure enough, she never, she, 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 she never spends any time with this dog. And the dog and I have bonded. And so, you know, we're, we're buds. And, and That's great. I'm really, really glad we got her. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so great, great man. Yeah. I see a bunch of people putting like fur therapy in the comments. <laughs> fur therapy is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. The truth. <laughs> yeah. So, and cool. Yeah, this is something new for me. I mean, I've done a bunch of these music on the rocks and, and we just, you know, shoot the stuff. But um, there's a comment section here, you know, so it's kind of cool seeing people. We've got Matt Hayslip in here. Uh, who's, Matt. You know, he's a buddy of everybody and he's yeah. a plays Yamaha also awesome man yeah and um we got Julia here and I see Heidi and if you're in the comment section you have any question for these guys go for it I mean that's what it's here for so this is music on the rocks and this is like my favorite time of being a musician it's like after the concert you're hanging out with your your friends and maybe you're stressed out during the show or whatever it is but now it's time to like catch up have some drinks and that's what music on the rocks is so what are you guys having? I am drinking a disgusting, truly watermelon lemonade seltzer right now. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I have no shame at all in telling you that this is one of the worst things I've ever had in my life. But it's all I got. Okay. Like I said, I just got back from beach and I went into the fridge. And like, You've got to be kidding me. Uh, but yeah, it, it is truly awful. Thank you, Jonathan. Yes. But uh, anyway, cheers, guys. Cheers, <laughs> man. Mike, what do you got, man? So uh, I've got a Tennessee Mule, and uh, it's it's in a uh, a Grey Goose bottle. Uh, there Very it is. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. Oh, is that what? Did you like cut the bottle? Yeah, that's and... one of those where they cut the top off. Oh, wow, it. that's awesome. Very Dude, cool. Now, awesome, did you cut man. the top off yourself, or did you buy? No, it? I chose the bottle. 
So okay. we, of course, consume the bottle. Then we cut the top off at this place. Okay. Okay. That's cool. You know, they I've seen they have like kits that you can buy now and you can like make yeah. any bottle. I have a buddy who's got like wine glasses made out of wine bottle. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like, well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a shochu here that I hadn't like opened. I brought it home from Japan last time I went. Wow. And I have no idea what the brand is, man. I can't read it. So <laughs> can read it. Google Translate doesn't help you? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't tried, but I'll tell you, uh, shochu is one of my favorites. You know, just with some water and some some ice and yeah and stuff. So, what is shochu? I don't. I'm not up on it. It's like a like a kind of a, a rice like vodka. <laughs> okay, kind of. You know, and yeah. it, you always drink it. You can drink it uh, just straight, or you can have it on the rocks. Or what I like to do is is cut it with water, just mm -hmm. rocks and water, okay. and. Uh, it's good stuff, man. I, I enjoy it. Just the smell of it reminds me of being in, in Japan, awesome. just sitting in one of those tiny bars, you know. And Oh, yeah. Takes you back. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here from uh, Stephen Giuliani, and he's asking, since you're all brass quintet vets, uh, what are your thoughts about balance in the ensemble and the horn is always at the disadvantage? So, and just a little bit of background. I don't know, Mike, you played with Presidio Brass for a right. long time. You guys were on the road a lot. Yep. How many years? Ten? ten years. Ten years. That's a good tenure. And, uh, and Larry, who did you play? Oh, Lyric Brass I'm, Quintet. That's right. I'm with Lyric Brass Quintet. We're, we're, we're coming up on close to 30 years together. Wow. Hey, man. That's awesome. Thank Congrats, you. man. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Larry is with Lyric Brass Quintet and I'm with Boston Brass. So yeah, we're all Brass Quintet people. And well, I'll let you guys take it first and then and then I'll I'll share my thoughts with it. But uh, Mike, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts? First of all, I'm going to say, Stephen, I wouldn't ever put Chris at a disadvantage in the group. <laughs> 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 Let's just start with that. <laughs> no, um. So when I first started with the quintet, that was the question. What do you want? What's, what do you want your role to be in the group? And, uh, you know, I grew up on Empire Brass, some Canadian brass, but uh, mostly Empire Brass. And um, I really I thought, you know, the glue, I, I kind of feel like I got to bridge that gap and and uh, be the, the glue in the group. And really didn't like that role because that's exactly what the music was written into the music. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the, the composer wrote the music into it. And that's what I was. I was footballs and, and, you know, fitting right in the middle. Not a whole lot of showtime, spotlight time. So um, as the group evolved, uh, I felt like we needed to definitely have more of a, just, you know, that, that, that tenor voice. It needed to come out, you know. It's like those solos like Maria. And, you know, there's no other instrument that can really do what we do. So I kind of felt, yeah. I felt like I was a little bit more of the second trumpet than I was the glue. And that's where I like to be. I could see you, you playing that role really well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is something that we deal with in a brass quintet, the horn. I mean, uh, you know, there are pieces 
that are traditional brass quintet music and there are nice horn parts and everything. I'm not saying there aren't, but yeah, it takes second fiddle a lot of times to the upper voices, unless it's something beautiful or if it's newer music. And uh, when you've got a personality where it's, especially if you find yourself in a brass quintet, you've already, in my opinion, kind of got one of those personalities where it's like, you want to be one of five or you want to be one of a few on stage. So you want everybody to hear what you're doing and you yeah. want to be, you want the, so you want the, the spotlight every once right. in a while. So you have to kind of have that. I don't want to say like a, like egotistical thing going on, but it, there is a, a, a little bit of a, uh, machismo going on. Pride in your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you put enough work into it, you want people to hear it. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And Matt, you're absolutely right, dude. I've got a great story about that. Was uh, we used to record our, our shows, and we'd I'd stick the recorder out ten minutes before at the back of the hall, and we'd go back and listen to it, try and improve on what we did. Um, and they kept telling me, "I'm playing too loud. I'm playing too loud." I'm like. No, I'm not on stage. I'm definitely not playing too loud. That six six seven cut through, and was so dominant on that recording. I loved that instrument, and unfortunately, I had to give that one back. But I got myself a new one. I'm still working on that one. Was it the like the six six seven V? Was not the V. I, I wasn't a fan of the V, so I hmm. just had the regular six six seven D. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool, man. So, Larry, what what are your thoughts on that on that question? It, you know, it's, it's a great question. Um, I was just thinking back wistfully many, many years ago when I first started playing in our quintet. Um, I had the same exact question. How am I going to balance uh, the horn sound uh, in this group? Um, at first, I was just kind of blowing my face off trying to uh, compete. And, and frankly, the louder I played, the louder all the other guys played. They were like, oh, Larry's got it. Okay, then we can really let it out. And yeah, which, of man. course, you know, all horn players are like, oh, my God, yes. Um, then I decided to get, you know, kind of, I, I went old school on them. So I, I put a, I, I got this winger reflector shield and I put it behind me and I would bounce my sound off of that. And I could blow the whole quintet like off the stage if I wanted to, but I couldn't play anything. I couldn't play anything soft. My sound was like a candy wrapper, you know, unwrapping all the time. It was it was really pretty horrible. Um, even though I could hear myself, and I'm sure I cut through. Um, I'm sure that it was not pretty. Got rid of the shield. Um, it, it, you know, one thing that you can do that you might not think to do is talk to the other people in the quintet. Yeah, I've had this conversation uh, with, with, with the guys in the quintet about kind of understanding what it feels like to play, play horn in the quintet, especially when we have solos and things like that. Um, and I, I just remind them, look, I don't, I don't want to have to push my sound to cut through. You know, as Mike was saying, you know, we wear all these different hats in brass quintet and sometimes you're second trumpet and sometimes you're bass trombone whatever uh we, we do it all um but when it is our time to to be there um i remind them that like you know i i don't really want to push my sound to get through i want to be able to do some things so can you x y and z you know when i'm doing this you know, can, can you or just just keep in mind that i'm in the mid-low range or something and that if you know if i have to push too much then you know i i, I don't get the sound that i want or whatever they're always perfectly cool with it um, for about five minutes and then they forget again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, 
that is something that a lot of musicians forget about. One of the most important things about a chamber ensemble is having a great rapport with your colleagues and everybody trusts you and leaving the egos out the door. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's right. So that you can, the music can come first. For me, I try to see it as an advantage, especially depending on where you're standing on stage in the quintet or sitting. Uh, for me, I'm always on the end, you know, with my bell kind of towards the audience. That's where this, I was. Yeah, yeah. And this way, it makes it really easy to angle the angle is so paramount and if i'm playing a maria solo or something i can angle the bell back at the stage and get that omnipresent sound that i want and if we're playing something more straightforward and everybody's bell front i can turn the bell towards the audience and be zingy you know and and change the timbre and the 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 loudness of the of what you're doing mm-hmm. you know so i mean those those things are really important to think about and that's why i really enjoy being on a lot of people don't like sitting on the edge with their bell kind of feeling naked to the audience but once you kind of embrace that mm-hmm. uh you're at even more of an advantage because yeah. of the color changes that you can do in my opinion larry so, is that for you also are are you on the end? I am second from the end, but I do. But, but I, yeah, but I do the same thing in terms of turning my body. Yeah, you know, when I mm-hmm. depending on what I need to do, and mm-hmm. you know, I, and I and I have played in groups where I've been in the end, and as Chris said, you can get used to it. Once you get used to it, it's fine. Um, but it brings up an important point that's that's valid both for for chamber music and for orchestra or even solo. And this is something that that Dave Crable uh, told told me many many years ago, um, and Farkas I think told him many many years ago, which is when you show up for your gig, the first thing you should do is look at what's going to be behind you, mm-hmm. right? Is it wood? Is it concrete? You know, is it is it is it a rug, or you know, or is it is it marble, right? And all of those things will affect us more than everybody else because our sound obviously reflects. Um, and that's part of the reason why I went with that plexiglass shield. It's just it was a it was a material that was so hard and, and it was so close to my bell that I couldn't get all those colors that we need to get um, right. off of bouncing off of it. Um, and so, um, you know, whether you're a soloist or playing chamber music or even sitting in an orchestra, mm-hmm that angle of your bell can make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, We have a couple uh, cool questions in here. Uh, Heidi Vogel asks, uh, what do you do with outdoor gigs for projection and stuff? And it's funny because I I just played two outdoor. Boston Brass was in Denver, uh, but we were north of that. We were in Winter Park or Winter Winter Park, Park. Colorado. And uh, we played an outdoors concert there. At like nine thousand feet, which was fun, and then uh, <laughs> and then right after that, we we flew to Boston and played a, an outdoors concert there in an amphitheater, and uh, it's one of those things where you have to, just like Larry said, you have to make sure that you know your surroundings. I mean, if you're in an outdoor theater, but it's an amphitheater and you've got some stuff to reflect off of right off the bat, I might think, okay, I'm in an outdoor theater. I'm going to like angle out a little bit more so that my sound's just not flying out into the outdoors behind me. But 
it would behoove you to know what's behind you because if you can reflect off something, that's better than just aiming at, you know, 20% of the audience and then the rest of them get like, you know, so uh, you have to figure out your venue, even outdoors. Yeah. What do you guys think about playing outdoors? I, I don't like it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. There's, there's no winning. I mean, there's, if, if you live, if you live in the horn world where you live off of a reflective sound, you can find a tree. I mean, <laughs> everybody got a tree. Hopefully, if you're playing with a big ensemble, you can get uh, you can get some amplification, right? Uh, and a lot of times in an outdoor venue, if it's a big enough venue like the ones that we were doing, there is some amplification happening even if it's really low level mics and then i make sure that they've got one that i can work with also because they tend to sound people don't even think yeah. about that most of the time they're just like right. okay we'll put two mics here in front of the ensemble and then uh good luck and then yeah. the horn player stuck like exactly you know yeah. and i've even had times where they said we don't have any more mics or you're gonna have to whatever and so what i do is we always have the talking mic off to the side and i'll just leave it on <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like all right at least it's coming it's out something. fair fight yeah yeah i so, would say larry's plexiglass suggestion would probably work for heidi the best if if you're looking to project it all even to the group then the plexi is probably your best bet she's saying that she can the audience, she's projecting out, but the, the other people in the quintet can't hear, hear her. So that's like, you know, she needs the equivalent of a monitor. Yeah. If you don't have, um, you know, if you're not mic'd, then you need something to reflect your sound a little bit more at everybody else. You might want to experiment with, with sitting closer together than you normally do or standing closer together than you normally do um, or turning that, turning that bell more towards the audience that might help yeah. the pet hear you more. Well, cool. Well, uh, and then Matt chimed in here and he said, this is partly why I switched to an eight, six, two to a six, six, eight V. I think he might've been talking about uh, are you the six, six, seven. Yeah. And he said, uh, the nickel silver seemed to cut through on the Yamaha Crespies a bit more for me. Eight, six, two feels like it will have plenty of production in the Quintessonic Brass. That's a group that he plays in mm -hmm. uh, with mm -hmm. his. And they've, they, they're a great group. They yeah. Sound really good. I'm sure yeah. you guys heard. Um, yeah, man. Well, it's funny. The, the, amount of difference that different horns make. I mean, we tend to, it's like when you're young, you're always thinking, oh, I need to get the expensive thing that whoever is playing on. When you get older, you kind of like swing the pendulum all the way the other way. And you're like, those are you could play a Tonka horn. And if you can play, you can play. And you should never, ever change your mouthpiece because then you're a wuss. And like all this stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you shouldn't even use a mouthpiece as a matter of fact. That's a cop out. I was I was at a gig once with some older players, and uh, you know I was I was this young sprout coming up, and I'm like I got this new handguard, and I got this new this and this new that, and he's looking at my horn, and he's got his 8D, and he's got packing tape wrapped around his hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
How much did you spend on that? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Uh, Beth Lano, I, who I played in Vegas a lot with, she was exactly the same. Her horn always was taped together somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was getting at is there's like a fine in-between line. I mean, you know, yeah. you need to find the right equipment for yourself and your situation. <laughs> when I first started playing in quintets, I was playing a, a Con 8D. That's what I had, you know. And I love that horn. And it worked well for me. But I got into the group. They I, they were always complaining. They couldn't hear me. Mm. And I'm playing loud. And it was like you, Larry, where I had to, I found myself playing at levels to where I'm like, I feel like I'm almost yelling at the audience <laughs> all the time in parts yeah. where I shouldn't, yeah. just so I can be heard. And then I switched to the Yamaha that I play, the, and, and, uh, the 871. And the guys are like, dude, it's like somebody put on like HD glasses but on my ears. You know, they're like, I can hear you, which was great. And I didn't have to work as hard. Yep. And the, the sound was getting out. And honestly, I played a, a, a triple before that, which was a very fine triple uh, made by uh, uh, Jim Patterson. And it was a great horn. But the Yamaha that I play now, I felt like I had more endurance <laughs> through the show. Maybe it's because it's lighter. I don't know. But it's like our show is high and and long and two hours long and no rests. And I could get through it better on a double horn. And I was like, all right, this is this is what I'm doing, man. I was playing on an 8D until I played on my 667. And we were recording and I was like, okay, I'm going to play the 667 on everything except for this one tune. I think it was Rhapsody in Blue. And I was like, all right, I, I want to play my con for this because I, I have so many colors and this and that. no. No, when it printed, it was like, wait, is he playing? You know, the con just doesn't have what, what the 667 did for me. I learned it then, and I stick with it now. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way, man. So um, with everything kind of opening back up, I know that you both are teaching. Do you know what's going on with, with what's happening this coming semester with you guys? Are things changing rapidly right now? Flexing a lot for me. Um, I mean... Like last year, it was it was every week there was new information. Um, so, yeah, we're supposed to be in person in a couple of weeks, and uh, I don't have an office. So when I when I get to the band room or something, you know, we can sit fifteen feet apart if we want to. It's not a big deal. But um, I really enjoyed the virtual side of teaching, only because it was nice to be able to teach thirty miles away in ten seconds. You know, <laughs> that was awesome. But uh, there's so much that I missed from in-person teaching and, uh, you know, the implication of these belt covers and, and the masks and stuff. I'd rather, I'd rather find a big room and sit 30 feet away from each other than to deal with all of that. You just can't play with that stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I'm totally with you, with it, especially with belt covers for, for a horn. I mean, it seems like, oh, it's just a bell cover. It's not going to do anything. But literally on an instrument where if you're doing this or yeah. this, it makes yeah. the biggest difference in the world. Yeah. Yep. I got to be wondering what like a bell covering is doing long term trying to play with that. Oh, yeah. Just minor micro adjustments that you're making on your embouchure yep. that are going to carry through to yeah. when you take that thing off. And then you're going to find your, yourself going backwards, yeah. you know. So how about yeah. you, Larry? Yeah. I, as far as I know, we're going to be in person. Um, but but I think that our university is going to require vaccinations for folks um, to come on campus, um, mm. at least for the faculty side. And I think, you know, if you're not vaccinated, then all these 
extra protocols come into play, you know, mask and, you know, social distance and do all the things that we've been doing for a year, which brings up some interesting and I think unknown uh, potential problems uh, that I don't even want to think about. And I'm not going to think about them until I have to deal with them. Um, but I, I like cheers. the way you think. Cheers, you know? guys. Cheers. Yeah. I like the way you think. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we will do uh, whatever we can do. Um, I started at a new school uh, a year ago. My first year was the COVID year. And so I've never actually done a full year of teaching at this, at this university in person. I have done some work with the, the students in person. But, you know, this is this is super new for me. Um, so I'm really like super chomping at the bit to get in there and get my students, you know, in in the same room and, and explain to them. No, really, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. You know, it's it's it's, it's the Zoom. It's the Zoom. <laughs> it's the you Zoom. Know. So I, I do enjoy the, the convenience of it. Like Mike said, I mean, there's there are there are benefits to it. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's all bad. Um, but especially for me, like, you know, I'm in a new situation, you know, I'm trying to get to know my students and I want them to get to know me. It's very difficult, you know, through the computer. And I'm also in that early stage period of trying to assess their playing and their sound and all that kind of thing. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time saying, you know, you may have just played that beautifully, (laughs) but... (laughs) I might have said that a hundred thousand times last year. Yeah, I'm sure it was awesome on your side. It was probably perfect, but I yeah. know. Yeah, that's the hard thing about weighing the convenience versus the okay. But in reality, is this because uh, I don't teach at any university, but I do a lot of clinics and master classes, and and boy, is it hard, you know, uh, doing exactly what you said. Okay, your dynamics on that side might have been great, but I'm going to tell you this, and and it seems like. You know, as much as I enjoy the fact that I didn't have to fly there and sit in a hotel room, I just can't wait to have everything back in person, you know. Here, here. It is nice to not have to wear pants a lot, but it I, is true. Yeah. No. It is true. Well, and we should say where you guys teach. I mean, I know that you're you just started over at Peabody, right, Larry? So I was at Peabody for about twenty two er, yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah, and right. I'm now at Washington Adventist University. I'm building a, a basically building a, a studio from scratch. And um, the kids are really, really excited. I'm very, very excited. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of recruiting. And, you know, I've got a lot of support from the administration to kind of build what I consider to be a 21st century model horn studio. And so we're, you know, we're, we're doing all of the traditional stuff and then a lot of real world stuff. You know, I'm trying to get the kids out playing um, right away. I'm trying to get the, the students uh, doing some teaching right away. Um, Chris, you came to this um, symposium, the, the, the seminar that we did this summer. So mm-hmm. you, you've met some of the students there. They're really, really talented and hungry. It's, it's just real. I'm just really excited to be there. That's so great, man. Thanks. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. Thank yeah. Thanks, sure. And Mike, you're, you're at uh, yeah. San Diego? I'm at San Diego State University and uh, Point Loma Nazarene University. The Point Loma Nazarene University is a private university that has uh, a pretty small studio. I think it flexes between one and three students. Mm. Um, But they play some pretty challenging stuff, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, They were the most flexible, I think, through through COVID. They were willing to 
uh, secretly meet on the side. And, you know, they were, they were, they were interested and they were into it, but you know, they're all going to be doctors and lawyers. and right. nurses, you know. They're going to uh, be the donors, man. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Cool. And then uh, San Diego state, it's got a giant education program. So almost all of my students are uh, education majors, which is great. We actually have got a hundred percent placement rate for wow. education. hundred percent. It's really high. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're not, they're not hitting Adagio and Allegro very often, but we have a lot of fun doing what we do. Try and get in there and, uh, and do what I can. I was, you know, I went back to the belt cover thing and if we have to do belt covers, I want to ask you guys, what would you do if in person you have to do belt covers or you could go virtually? Uh, no belt cover. Well, see, I don't have, I don't have a teaching job, so I can say this. For me, uh, I would probably have them bring the bell cover. <laughs> and then when they get in the office, you know, it's like. Make sure the bell covers are on, guys. Put your bell covers on. Come on. Okay. Everybody got their bell Yeah, okay. Honor system. Right. That's yeah. right. Honor system. It's in there. Trust me. It's in there. It's in there. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I mean, I know why. You know, I want the best for my kids. And I think a a no bell cover sound and manipulation of the hand, like you said, like all of that matters. And do you really get enough done with a bell cover on? Like that's what you're there in person to do is to hear sound, to manipulate hand position, to, uh, you know, project. I don't know about the bell covers because I never had to really use a bell cover. But here's the thing. I, I did have to use a player mask and mm. if the bell covers are anywhere uh close to as annoying as that player mask was to play with um i would go virtual um the, the player mm-hmm. mask really drove me crazy um because i felt like i was wearing a pair of underwear on my face first of all and second mm-hmm. of all Every time I took a breath, the thing would go into my nose. And then the worst was I couldn't, a lot of times I could not find my mouthpiece. It was, I was it's in there, but I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, it's like, you got to be kidding me. This is impossible. This is mission impossible. I don't know how the kids did it. And I know that they did do it around the country and around the world. They, they, they used them. And I'm not against the mask. It's just um, it, technologically, that solution was not. Uh, a good one for for horn players at all yeah um, there's gonna be ptsd for sure about yeah. that <laughs> I, i'm telling you it is fun to watch though <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll give you that it is fun to watch. <laughs> the lead trumpet player in my in my group jose sibaja when we came back on the road he had one of those masks that you know yeah had like the tidy whitey front yeah <laughs> and i was like how do you even maneuver that man and like just seeing him try to like figure it out before every time you put and then he'd like kind of like hold it off like so it was still in there and he had his trumpet so it's like his trumpet's like a big cigar or something and he's just like kind of <laughs> like what is happening to us man? yes horrible horrible <laughs> thing. oh my god we had to do the bottom line, I think, is that we do what we need to do to yeah. uh, continue to do what we love to do, That's right? And uh, yeah. and keep people safe and and all that. Yeah, guys. So 
do you have any interesting stuff coming up? I mean, I know that you've both been working. Uh, Mike, I'm sure that you've been playing some some soundtrack type stuff and everything over in L.A. And I've actually got a summer festival that I do every year. It's two months, 60 nights in a row. It was funny. I was thinking about talking to you about this. I'm like, man, how do I say this to somebody who played Phantom for whatever, how many years you did? But, you know, going to work every night for 60 nights playing the same show. It's like, that is, it's cool. It's fun. Sure. I'm into it. But I mean, I don't know how long you played that show. I, I only played 1700 Phantoms. Seventeen hundred. <laughs> so I felt like I should probably keep that part out because uh, you know, <laughs> I'm complaining about that. But um, yeah, this summer festival I'm doing right now, uh, they reduced the orchestra because of, of COVID conditions. And we're all playing behind shower curtains in this pit. And um that being said, the audience is getting a better mix and they're saying that it sounds better than it's ever sounded. So there's, you know, silver linings here and there, but it's, it's kind of nice because I still have a summer job. Didn't play last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the studio stuff is on the back burner until that goes away and then probably yeah. that up. So, so how do you deal with playing the same thing over and over? I know, I know for me, it was kind of a, I had to like play little games with myself. I would, uh, <laughs> I would pretend that it was a recording session, mm-hmm. you know, or I'd tell myself before the show, I'm really going to hone in on this person today across the pit. I'm going to see if I can hear them the whole time, you know, just things so that I would, I could keep my concentration and I wouldn't start thinking about, you know, where I'm going to go for dinner tonight and then have to turn over to the second horn player and be like, dude, did I play the last piece? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember if I played the last page. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was a challenge at first because they they put me all the way in the back. And again, I I told you we're behind shower curtains, so imagine these little cubicles, and I'm behind the trumpet, and the trumpet's behind the clarinet, and then they they took the conductor out, and it's a keyboard conductor. So they made the mistake of putting me all the way in the back, in the darkest hole of the pit, <laughs> next to the drums which you're in a oh. closed pit. So, you know, I got, I got full cans on and uh, I got my raid shadow legends on my iPad and I've got, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting back there just doing my own thing. And, and yeah, the boredom starts to set in. So it's like, okay, so now I'm going to be super meticulous. And like you said, listening across the group, it's not a possibility because you're, yeah. you're full cans. You can't hear oh, any yeah. drums. Uh, and no avium. It's it's. So what do you want to hear more of today? Yeah. So it was. All right. I'm gonna hit all my articulations. I'm gonna play everything on the F side today. All right. I'm gonna play everything on the B side today. You know, like, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. Been there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are the little games that I'm playing with myself right now. Is uh, yeah. how can I not destroy my part by changing, <laughs> changing keys, changing instruments, throwing it in different, you know, whatever. Hey Mike, what 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 show are you playing? Uh, it's Pageant of the Masters. Um, it's a Laguna Art Festival, and then at night they do. It's called Live Art, and they make live art. So the 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 last scene is um, the Last Supper, and they have live people mm-hmm. painted like the painting, and they all come together while the music's playing, and it becomes the artwork on stage. Cool. So there's 16 of these. Um, 
And this particular one is made in America. So you have a lot of American artwork and some cowboy music. And, uh, you know, they're all original compositions with exception of The Last Supper. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's very little on YouTube, but you should check it out. There is one on YouTube that explains it. That yeah, that that actually sounds a lot. Of, that sounds like a lot of fun. Can you see, I don't get to see any of it? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say, can you see uh, okay. the stage from where you're sitting, or are you underneath nope. it? No, no, no. no. See, that's, so we're in a lowered pit, and then they have a cover that that covers oh, the front wow. from the audience, and they'll they'll lower that down to show that there's an actual orchestra playing now and then. But for the <laughs> most part, you could be wearing a bikini back there. No one's right. gonna know. Oh wow. <laughs> And he has, I'm sure. And uh, and, and you do these things. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you know? All that? Hey, Larry. Before before I ask you the same question as him, I just want to <laughs> give a a shout out to Yamaha, and. Uh, a big thanks for having them make this a possibility and Absolutely. chat with you guys. Yeah, Larry. So how about you, man? What have you been playing? Well, before I talk about that, I, I have to get in on the, um, on the show conversation. I did a run of Phantom. It was a touring show of Phantom mm-hmm. when I lived in Miami for a couple of years. And I, I think I've spent a couple of months in, in the pit doing that show. Is that the one horn show? This was the three horn show. And um, most of the pit traveled with the show, and then they would pick up a third horn, you know, and a couple of different musicians in each town. And, and when they came to Miami, they picked me up. And I was so excited just to be playing, you know, playing the show. I love the show. And I could see, um, you know, from where I was sitting, I could see some of the show. So that helped um, in terms of the monotony of, of doing it night after night. But these guys that were touring with the show, um, some of them had been doing it, you know, for, for so many years. They had the most elaborate setups. I mean, the one guy had a TV that he brought into the pit and he was watching <laughs> football games during the show. Another guy was this chocoholic. He was like a chocolate addict. And like wherever he went, he found someplace in town to buy this really... Um, expensive Swiss chocolate. And so wow. he would load up on chocolate before the show. He'd bring it to the pit and we'd pick out on chocolate. Then there was this other guy that it was like Mexican food. We had to eat Mexican food before every single show and as much as possible. Oh, oh yeah. Think about that. Oh, terrible idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I I figured out what, what the joke was on, on that one. Uh, yeah. After- Fact. Uh, but <laughs> we had, we had, we did all kinds of stuff. There were there were people putting their music upside down, and you know, give me the clarinet parts, you know, or whatever. I mean, it was I was in shock when I saw what was going on in that in that pit. But um, but I quickly realized that you know. Uh oh, I think we're kind of losing Larry here. <laughs> At least he's in a cool pose, though. That's right. He's like, like he's very serious. <laughs> but yeah, man, those shows—they're nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when people have been doing them forever. It's, you know, people don't have books open anymore. People. Oh, I know. That's what I was going to say. But the TV guy, I'm sure he didn't even have his book open. Yeah. Oh, oh, and when I was playing Phantom, it's like people had the iPhone and everything. So everybody's either reading or playing their game. But I had a hard time with the iPhone because I was just so paranoid that a sound would go off, you know, like uh-huh. an alarm right. or something, you know. So I rarely ever did that, but I had that car and driver and all that. Yeah. The the studio trick to that is um, 
you take an old cord, you cut it, and you put it into the power or the audio jack, there is no sound. Uh, Ding in the middle of a take, and, and that'll be the last time you do that, I promise you. Of course. You. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. See, seven years of, of playing that show, and I never thought of doing that. Yep. Well, it looks oh, like we... Oh, oh hey, hey, Larry! He's back. He's back. Oh. <laughs> and he's gone. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to get back into the music world. You know, it has been incredibly slow for everybody. And yeah. um, where we hoped we would be back by fall of this year and everything would be normal again, it just is it's yeah. falling back. I know, man. Every time I turn on the news, it wants to go backwards. And yes. it's scaring me a lot, actually, because we did, my group just got back on the road. You know, I mean, yeah. in, in May we started uh, coming back on the road. And it's been really nice to be out and traveling. I haven't gotten sick. So we've been very fortunate, but it's like somebody's got it like right next to an, a light switch that they're going to turn off at any second. You know exactly. what I mean? <clears throat> so Larry, he's back. I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> You're and, in the middle of a great story too, man. Yeah, I, well, I'm old and I've forgotten it. So <laughs> I hope I hope you enjoyed the first part of it. Had nothing <laughs> what happened is, I, as I was saying, I just got home from from the beach and I hadn't even unpacked my power cord for my computer, and my computer just uh, just died. So sorry oh. about that. Uh, so, anyway, I was all, all I was going to say about the the Phantom Pit was. Um, I quickly learned that I cannot get away with some of the stuff that these guys are doing in here because I don't know the show that well. But what I did start doing was kind of saying the lines of the show along with the uh, the, the, the actors and the singers. And I would sing the, the choruses and I would, you know, stomp yeah, my but feet. Not and, with the real are the doors secure? You know, that's, you know, and I'd play my horn. You were changing up the words though, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, you had to. I, I sat next to a bass trombone player who came up with the best lyrics all the time. <laughs> they were always so hilarious, man. He is making everybody bust up. You do what you got to do down there. Do what you got to do. That's right. For sure, right? Is the thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Larry, when you were gone, me and Mike were just talking about how nice it's been. That work has been creeping back in slowly. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts? Like well, first of all... How, any of the larger stuff that you've been playing mm -hmm. with? I know you play with like Black Pearl and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Have they been able to do anything? We have. We've actually, Black Pearl Chamber Orchestra is a chamber orchestra in Philadelphia that I play in. And it's a wonderful group. Um, we have actually done um, several concerts in the last couple of months. Um, nice. Full orchestra, as well as some chamber music uh, concerts. I think our next one will be uh, in October... We have been creeping back, um, and obviously we have plans to play uh, this year. But as you say, there's this specter kind of looming over us, um, uh, you know, that, that no one really knows what's, what's about to happen. So we're just kind of hoping for the best at this point. Hopefully, you know, this stuff will simmer down again yes. and all this variant stuff and uh, people will do what they need to do so we can get back to where we need to be. Yes, sir. Uh, so you guys, we got a couple minutes left. I want to thank you both so much for being here with me. It's been a blast to talk to you guys. 
really nice to see your faces and see you guys uh, looking good and knowing that everything is, is on the up and up for your playing and your teaching and your careers. Yeah, thank man. So much. Larry, nice to meet you. Likewise. Mike, good to see you, man. Chris, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Chris, thank you. you yeah, guys. And I, I want to say one more big, huge thank you to Yamaha. This company is all about making great instruments, but also all about education, which for me is is a very important aspect of it because I know when I was younger, if it wasn't for people giving me opportunities to hear people talk or see people do master classes and stuff like that, I wouldn't have gotten into this the way I'm, I'm into it now. And Yamaha, that is on the top of their list of things to do. Um, so it makes me really happy. I'm happy to be associated with them. And I know that the other guys are too. So there you go. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. And cheers. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Cheers to health and happiness and uh, see you guys again. All right. Take care.